Today is Friday, September 4, 2020. On this day in 1949, black singer Paul Robeson performed a concert to benefit the Civil Rights Congress near Peekskill, New York. But the event wasn't the cheerful, upbeat gathering Robeson had planned. 2,500 of his supporters had to form a human shield around the show to block out angry, racist protesters. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering Paul Robeson's 1949 concert and the racist Peekskill riots that surrounded it. Let's go back to September 4, 1949, just outside of Peekskill, New York. It was an unusual scene for a concert. The crowd was enormous, about 20,000 people in all, but it didn't have the carefree attitude that often accompanies a show. Surrounding the concert goers was an even stranger sight. 2,500 trade union members and left-wing veterans forming a wall between Robeson's supporters and the angry mob of local conservatives. Today, the audience hoped the human wall would keep violence away from the concert, but they weren't sure. Not after what had happened last week on August 27th, when Paul Robeson's concert was originally scheduled. That day had started with an upbeat, cheerful energy. The crowd assembling just outside Peekskill was excited to see Robeson and other artists such as Pete Seeger perform. But they were also happy to be around one another. It was more than a group of music fans, it was a community. The mixed-race audience was united by leftist politics. It represented a strong coalition of pro-union workers, champions of civil rights for black Americans, and perceived communists of all stripes. The group was glad to know that the proceeds of the event would benefit a good cause, the Harlem chapter of the Civil Rights Congress. Tickets would help pay for the organization's legal defense, necessary because some of its communist leaders were being targeted for their politics. In the midst of this joyful assembly, the local conservatives arrived, and suddenly, the mood changed. These newcomers were carrying a burning cross, the symbol popularized by the Ku Klux Klan. They lynched an effigy of Robeson. And they attacked the audience. Howard Fast, chairman of the concert and a prominent communist writer, described the assault. Their leaders had been drinking from pocket flasks and bottles right up to the moment of the attack. And now as they beat and clawed at our lines, they poured out a torrent of obscene words and slogans. They were conscious of Adolf Hitler. He was a god in their ranks. Fast went on to detail the anti-black and anti-Semitic slurs the assailants threw at concertgoers. They included, we're Hitler's boys, Hitler's boys, we'll finish his job, and Lynch Robeson. Robeson's audience, appalled, irate, and in danger, fought back. Before the concert even started, the scene devolved into a riot. 
The Peekskill Riots, as they would be dubbed, were disheartening for both Robeson and the concert organizers. They'd wanted to spread a message of unity and equality, and the Peekskill region, despite a local conservative population, had long been a haven for leftists of all kinds, a so-called Red Summer Belt. Clearly, things were changing, but the leftists wouldn't go down without a fight. Hence the reschedule for a week later, and the preparation for a human ring surrounding September 4th's concert. The leftists assembled in force. Woody Guthrie was there, not to perform, but to witness. The union men were there, the leftist veterans, the communists, and the civil rights activists. The guards did their job. They kept out not just conservative rioters, but the police who'd failed to step in and protect concertgoers the week before, effectively allying with the angry conservatives in the process. Unfortunately, the human ring couldn't encircle all the left-wing activists as they tried to get home, loading onto cars and buses headed for New York City. As the vehicles proceeded back down towards Manhattan, rocks followed them. According to some accounts, clear down to 210th Street and Broadway. In the end, at least 100 concertgoers were maimed. But the riots were only the beginning, a portent for the conservative anti-communist McCarthyism that was about to hit America hard. Coming up, the context surrounding the Peekskill riots and the aftermath. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On September 4th, 1949, Paul Robeson's second concert to benefit the Civil Rights Congress resulted in riots. This reaction was surprising in a region that had long welcomed leftists of all stripes. Robeson had even hosted concerts in the area before, without anything like the Peekskill riots interrupting the music. 
Many of the conservative protesters who mobbed the event said they were responding to comments that Robeson reportedly made in Paris a few months before at the Soviet-sponsored World Peace Conference. The quote many of them heard went as follows. We colonial peoples have contributed to the building of the United States and are determined to share its wealth. We denounce the policy of the United States government, which is similar to Hitler and Goebbels. It is unthinkable that American Negroes would go to war on behalf of those who have oppressed us for generations against the Soviet Union, which in one generation has raised our people to the full dignity of mankind. Today, these words might seem a fair condemnation of pre-civil rights segregated America, if not exactly an accurate read of the Soviet Union. But they were absolutely infuriating to the conservatives in the Peekskill region, many of them World War II veterans. The quote seemed to prove that leftists weren't just an opposing political faction within the U.S., they were anti-American. It's worth pointing out that the quote these angry conservatives were reacting to was a misquote. Robeson actually said, quote, We in America do not forget that it was the backs of white workers from Europe and on the backs of millions of blacks that the wealth of America was built, and we are resolved to share it equally. We reject any hysterical raving that urges us to make war on anyone. Our will to fight for peace is strong. We shall support peace and friendship among all nations, with Soviet Russia and the People's Republics." This accurate quote presents a similar sentiment about the U.S., but with a very different tone. And there's a notable lack of praise for the USSR. But regardless, the misquote and the anger that followed it indicated a shifting tide in the U.S. Increasingly, the left-wing coalition of civil rights activists, communists, and union organizers were considered anti-American. In the years that followed the Peekskill riots, this anti-leftist sentiment grew. From 1950 to 1954, Senator Joseph McCarthy terrorized America's civil servants, intellectuals, and entertainment industry with a witch hunt for communist sympathizers. Even after McCarthy was discredited, communism remained a threatening, dangerous other for most Americans. In part thanks to the immense pressure of this suspicion, the political left started to fracture. Many union organizers distanced themselves from communists and those fighting for civil rights, hoping to keep a seat at the proverbial political table. But other left-wing thinkers refused to give credence to politics of division and hate and held on to the beliefs that went into those 1949 Peekskill concerts for civil rights. Pete Seeger, for one, built a chimney out of the rocks conservative rioters threw at his family's car after the September 4th show. All that hate could go up in smoke as far as he was concerned. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories about political conflict and the personal stories that illustrate it, check out ParCast Original Political Scandals. 
Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.